Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of spiritual warfare. In the previous program, I introduced the important thing to understand about the devil being used as a minister, that the devil is certainly in a conflict with God. He is causing a tremendous amount of destruction and suffering, but because of what the Lord can do with what the devil has done, the Lord is still able to accomplish great things. He is able to continue to be very creative and to create new things that the devil could never encounter and will never understand. He will never understand these things that the Lord has been able to accomplish because of the decisions that the devil has made in order to create suffering. Now, I did do a series of programs on the subject of suffering, which I mentioned in the previous program. I would like you to listen to those programs. If you haven't listened to those, they will give you more information concerning this subject. But for this program, I'd like to just start with the subject of love. I'm just going to try to complete what I began in the previous program, and then I'm going to get on into another subject that is related to this, the idea of what war is, and so that you can have a better understanding of the spiritual warfare that you are in, the nature of the warfare, and why we would call it a war. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we have a definition of love, though. I'm going to start here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, but these things the devil will never be able to understand. Only we can understand and embrace these things because we are the ones who have been born again, who have been saved, who have been forgiven, who have been reconciled. You know what it means when God says that he suffers long and is kind. Because when you look at the depth of your sin and you see how much he has suffered it, how long-suffering he has been. And when you see that he is kind to you in the midst of your sinfulness, you know his long-suffering, you know his kindness in a way that no one else can know. No one except another believer. Certainly the devil will never be able to encounter these things. Adam and Eve could have never encountered these things in the way that you can. So the Lord has made use of the devil. He has used him as a servant in order to create more, in order to reveal more, to do more. Greater things have been accomplished. And I know it's difficult. I understand what it means to suffer. I really do. 
I understand what it means to experience tremendous amount of pain and violation. I know what that's about. But I also know the great things that the Lord has done in the midst of those things. And to me, the price has been worth the benefit. The cost has been worth the benefit. And if you can't say that right now, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to feel guilty. I just want you to hear my testimony and perhaps consider that one day you will see that the cost is worth the benefit, that when he finally is able to do his creative work, when he can complete what he began in the midst of the circumstances that you were faced with, that you have encountered, when you see later on what the Lord is able to do, I believe you also will be willing to say that the cost was worth the benefit because you would not know what you will one day know, what you will one day see, what you will one day experience about your God, you would not have been able to encounter that without those tribulations. Now, that doesn't mean you need more tribulation in your life. It doesn't mean you need more suffering. Don't go looking for it. Don't go looking to add more to it. I'm sure the Lord can make use of what you get. I don't think he wants to give you more. I don't think that he's looking to give you any. I don't believe that. I believe that he will make use of what occurs. He will not initiate or invoke suffering himself. Not in that way. Consider Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There is, of course, a lot that can be said about that that I will not get into right now. I will refer you to the verse-by-verse study that I produced on the book of Romans for more on that. But at least by reading this, I think that you can get a better understanding of what I mean by the Lord doing a continual creative work, even with things that he did not do, with things that he did not cause, he can still do great things. That was Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. So in this program, I would like to proceed into the subject of spiritual warfare and talk about it from the point of view of warfare. In this program, I'd like to start by talking about warfare in the world, in the flesh. I believe that if you can have an understanding of the things of the world... It will help you to have an understanding of the things in the Spirit. The Lord Jesus spoke with Nicodemus about this. He said, If you will not believe me concerning the things of the earth, of the world, then how will you believe me when I tell you about the things of heaven? There are many things that the Lord has revealed that require us to have an understanding of the world, of the way that the world functions. He has used these things in order to speak of other things so that we can understand other things that he would like to reveal to us. And so I'm going to talk about the issues related to war. Now, one of the things that I mentioned about this before was that war results when people are unable to resolve conflicts. When people are unable to resolve conflicts in a peaceful way, then they will resolve them in a violent way. And a resolution will eventually occur when the person who causes the most destruction completes their destructive acts, when a person finally creates more destruction than the other person to the extent where the other person gives up, 
it is at that time that the war is over. But when wars take place throughout the course of history, if you look at the wars that have occurred, why did they really occur? What were the wars really about? I mean, really. Now, this is a very difficult question to answer, a very hard question to answer. The reason why it is so hard is because the reasons why people go to war are not always the same reasons as to why the wars took place. In other words, people may go to war, but they're going to war for a reason that is different than the reasons why the war got started to begin with. Normally, people will go to war for an ideal, for example. We go to war because we believe in something. There's something that we believe in, and we want to fight. We want to fight, and we're willing to die for what we believe in because we believe that it is right. But that might not really be what the war is actually about. That might not be what the war is really about. It might really be about something else, but we were lied to. We were told that it was about this ideal. It was about this philosophy of some kind. This happens, and of course we would have to refer to an individual scenario, an individual war or conflict in order to describe those things. But I want you to think about that. I do. I want you to really think about that first, and then go look into history. Look into the wars that have occurred. And I believe that you will find that there were a lot of people who went and they fought and they killed and they died because they were fighting for an ideal of some kind, because they believed in what they were fighting for, but it wasn't really what the war was actually about. It was really about something else. But it is the historians who often give us the information concerning these things. And so it really can depend on which historian you are reading from of whose account, or it can depend on which person you listen to. For example... People have engaged in war because they were trying to defend themselves. They were attacked, and so they decided to respond and say that we are going to fight because we believe that you attacked us. Well, it could be that they didn't really attack us. Maybe somebody else did. Maybe somebody who wanted to start a war did that. And that person who we go and fight against didn't have anything to do with it at all. This is called a false flag. Do some research on the subject of false flags, and you will find that there have been some occasions in history when wars took place because of a false flag, because of a lie. People went and they fought and they killed and they died because of a lie. So who started the lie and why do they start it? Why do they want to start a war? This is what wars are normally about. They're not normally about people defending themselves. They're not normally about people fighting for ideals. That's not usually why people fight wars. The reason why wars take place is normally because of resources. People are normally looking for resources. They are trying to take resources. They are trying to get possession or control over certain resources. That's what wars normally are about. But these things are not usually disclosed until long after the wars take place, sometimes after a generation or the generation who fought the war have died, then certain documents get released when it no longer matters because nobody's going to be put in prison for being involved in these false flags or for these lies or whatever. 
It usually gets disclosed after people have died who were responsible for all of the lies that resulted in the war. Then we find out what the war was really for, and it's usually about stuff. That's normally what wars are fought over. They're fought over stuff. People are wanting to take somebody else's land. They want to take somebody else's businesses. They want to take somebody else's agricultural production. They want to take somebody else's mines. That's what wars are normally fought over. They're fought over resources. Now, let me narrow this down a little bit more. When the war takes place, the war is usually over resources, and these resources can be defined in three different categories. The first category has to do with storage. People are looking for land. Land is something that you need in order to put things on. You need the buildings, or you need the space in order to build more buildings. Usually, a conflict erupts because somebody wants to take over aspects or areas of a geography so that they can obtain the means of storage to put stuff, to keep stuff. Now, what do they need this stuff for? Well, they need this stuff for production, the means of production. Now, the means of production can also be the labor. It's not just the resources that are going to be stored somewhere, the chemicals or the metals or the materials that are used for the means of production, but also the labor. The people are also considered to be an asset in this sense for productivity, for production, where people will do work and produce things that also need to be stored. So it's storage, it's production, and it's the means of transportation. Transportation in the sense of the vehicles or the animals that were used in order to transport things, or the routes of transportation, the routes that make it easier for people to transport their stuff from one geography to another geography, either over land or over water. The means of transportation are things that people have fought over. So when you look at the wars that have taken place in history. A good way to look at them, which very few historians have done, so this is very challenging to actually accomplish. But a good way to look at the wars that have taken place is to look at them to see what they were fighting over, and to see to what degree were they fighting over the resources of storage, transportation, and production. All aspects of life can be defined or summarized as the combination of Storage, transportation, and production. To a degree of each one of those, or a combination of all of them, most all aspects of life can be defined in that capacity. Your job, for example, if you were to take a look at the kind of work that you do, you can define your work within these categories. To what degree do you use transportation? To what degree do you use storage? And what is it that you produce? If the kind of work that you do. Does not correlate very well to these three aspects of civilization. It's quite likely that your job is not a very secure form of employment. That's the best way that I can describe that. So it's resources, though. I want you to understand that resources, more defined in terms of transportation, storage, and production, it is the resources that people are fighting over. And when someone decides to fight in order to take resources, there's going to be destruction. People will destroy. Whatever they need to, whatever they can, in order to assist them in their victory. Victory, again, as I mentioned earlier, victory will be defined by whoever 
has been able to create the most destruction. They are able to win the war through destroying things. That's what war is generally about. Now, when it comes to the spiritual war that we are in, it's very similar. There is a war that is taking place, and the war is over resources. It is over the means of transportation, storage, and production. But in this case, we can't go around looking for the spiritual means of storage or the spiritual means of transportation or the spiritual means of production. How do we do that? We can do that if you will consider what I said in an earlier program about us being a temptation of the devil and think about you. You are the resource. You are what the devil and the Lord are fighting over. You're the plunder. You are in the war. You are part of the war. But you are also the plunder. When I described the image of God and how God created us to be a reflection of him and that that became a temptation for the devil so that he might be able to reflect himself. Can you see what it means to be the storage, the storage of the spirit? You can be the storage of the Holy Spirit. God created you so that he could dwell within you. Within you, that is storage. Transportation. As you walk in your daily life, as you travel, as you go, as you live, you bring him with you. He walks with your feet. He touches with your hands. He sees with your eyes. He hears with your ears. He speaks with your mouth. You are the transportation of the Holy Spirit. You are the storage, you are the transportation, and you are the means of production. Because within and through you, he does many works, many works of righteousness. So if you will consider it from this point of view, you are the plunder. You are the resource. The devil is after you so that he can use you as storage, so that he can use you as transportation, so that he can use you as production, as productivity, so that he can be like God. And this is where the war is at. This is the war. It is a war of resources, just like every other war. You are the resource, though. In this case, you, you are the one that they are doing battle over. How does victory occur? How do they win? Well, the devil wins. The devil achieves victory when he's able to take you. Now, he took us through Adam and Eve. He killed Adam and Eve spiritually using the law that God gave. They ate from the wrong tree. They died. He has been able to use them ever since. They have been the property, the possession, the resource of the devil. But because he has been using them in a way that God never intended them to be used, he has been destroying them. And so his victory is accomplished through destruction. When Satan achieves his victory and he lives in his victory that he is living in, he is living in it through destruction. He achieved victory by killing, by killing Adam and Eve. And he continues to achieve victory by making sure that we Stay dead, that he keeps us from becoming alive. The living God, however, he fights this war. He wages this war, and he achieves victory in this war through his creative capacity, 
not through his destructive capacity, but through his creative capacity. So you've got one side fighting with destruction and another side fighting with creation, with the creative capacity through the regeneration of a person, through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit according to the gospel. When he resurrects an individual, when he brings them back to life because they believe the gospel, as I explained the gospel earlier, that the gospel has to do with the restoration of life. When he restores life and people are made alive, he is creating something new. He creates a new creation in Christ Jesus and he achieves a victory, a tremendous victory. He seizes, he seizes a resource from the devil. Before that, we are in the world. We are of the world, and the world is the devil's. It's his world. It's his rules. It's his way of life. Everybody lives according to the knowledge of good and evil. Everybody lives trying to do the right thing and trying not to do the wrong thing. Everybody lives to do things, and then they get rewarded for the things that they do. They get blessed because they do, because they succeed. Everybody lives according to the ways of the world, which are the ways of the devil. He is the God of this world. When we are born into this world, we are born in the devil, in him. We are born being his property, being his resource. He uses us to reflect himself, to live, to create in the way that he can, which leads to destruction. But we are his When Adam and Eve were created, all that they knew was the living God. They did not know him like we can know him, but that's what they knew. They did not know what it was like to be without him. But when people are born into this world now, everyone is born knowing the devil. They don't know it, but they know the devil. They do not know the living God. So the devil took those who were in God In the creation, he took Adam and Eve through a destructive act. But the living God now takes people from the devil through a creative act. That's the war that's going on. It is a war of resources. You are the resource. And the Lord is waging this war through creating new life. Creating new life that people choose to be a part of. Adam and Eve chose to follow the devil, to believe the devil and to worship the devil. But we have an opportunity to choose, follow, worship, and live in the living God. So the living God achieves victory when a person who knows all about the world, who knows all about the devil, or at least enough, who knows all about what it means not to have God. The living God achieves victory when a person voluntarily chooses him instead of what they see in the world. You see, the devil believes that he can be like God, and he believes that he has accomplished great things. But when a person looks at what he has done and says, I see what is here, and I see what's available, and I can see that it is not what I want, then the devil loses, and the Lord has a victory when a person chooses him in light of everything else that they could choose, in light of every other temptation that is available to them in this world, in light of all the things that the devil advertises when a person refuses that, 
when a person finally rejects that in a sober-minded way, with a full acknowledgement and full understanding of what they are turning away from, then the Lord achieves a victory that he could have never achieved if the devil had not rebelled. The living God is able to achieve something greater than what he could have ever created before without the assistance of the devil. How long will this war go on? Well, the longer it goes, the more people will turn to the living God. And so I believe that the Lord will allow this to go and will want this to go on as long as possible. As long as possible. I know people are saying that the Lord Jesus is coming any moment. And you know what? He might. But I believe that he will delay as long as he can. He's not going to return as soon as he can. He's going to delay as long as he can because the longer he waits, the more people will turn to him. He has no reason to fear people turning away from him. When a person turns to him for who he is, according to the true gospel, they never turn back. They don't. So he will allow this to go on as long as possible because he benefits the longer it goes on. But the day will come when things just simply will not be able to continue on this earth in the way that they are. And when that day comes, the war is over. The war is over because there are no longer any physical resources to fight over. The resources will be gone. They will be divided up. The Lord will have his. The devil will have his. And that will be the end. There will be the kingdom of God And there will be the other place with the devil and his angels and his people who decided that they did not want to be a part of the true and living God. That is the war. That is how it started. And this is how it will end. It will end when the earth passes away. When the earth has finally come to an end. In that sense, what will happen is that the people who decided to reject the Lord Jesus, they will be the devils. And they will immediately become obsolete. Because without this world, you are obsolete in the devil. But in Christ, the people who are in Christ, who are a new creation, you will never become obsolete in him. You will live throughout eternity in a new life with him and his kingdom. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net